Yeah, I'm like Neo now. <laughs> oh, that was good. That was good. That's Morpheus. What's going on, everyone? Jurassic Views, Ottawa's Raptors podcast. Monday, Monday morning. Gorgeous, sunny day. Just relaxing, you know, really relaxing. I have the day off. My schedule has changed at work a number of times. Uh, I was reminded the last two weeks as my schedule was changing again. Um, I was reminded how difficult podcasting can be, especially if you have a co-host when you work a full-time job. It's tricky. You know, I, I listen to a bunch of podcasts. I listen to the Hoops Collective, which is Brian Windhorse and friends. I listen to True Hoop, uh, David Thorpe and Gerard. Uh, I listen to... Obviously, the Raptors show with Will Lou, Blake Murphy, Alex Wong. I listen to uh, Rapcast, which you guys have t- uh, heard me talk about. Samson Folk, obviously, the main guy on there. But, um, you know, they got Trey, who's brilliant. I, I love hearing uh, Trey, Trey talk as well with Samson. But I listen to a lot of podcasts, you know, even the Low Post. Some of the NBA guys are former players, J.J. Redick. Draymond Green, you see, you see the, the kind of commonality with all these guys, every single last one of them, it's, it's their job. It's their job to, to, to follow basketball, to watch basketball, to analyze basketball. It's literally their full-time job. Samson Folk said that he's so focused on analyzing, commentating, watching, uh, creating content about the NBA, about basketball, that he doesn't really talk much about it in his personal life. And I, I totally get that. If you've put 40, 50, 60 hours into something during a week, uh, I can totally understand why you wouldn't want to talk about that thing very often. Um, especially if your job is a lot of talking as well, like podcasting is. But yeah, it just reminded me like, holy crap, there's probably, you know, 99% of the podcasts I listen to about basketball uh, are done by paid professionals um, or, or just paid, uh, amateurs who are working to a professional place. Um, yeah. And, and so for me as a guy who's, who's now, uh, found himself into a full-time job during the pandemic, I, I was not, it was a full-time dad, which is a whole job unto itself, but outside the house paid work, like now I'm trying to juggle the podcast. I don't have my co-host the same way. Cause again, they're working full-time jobs and they've got other stresses and, and, and 
things to that are hurdles in their life and, and time zones between Zion and I now. I get why it's tough to do a podcast as you know, an amateur, as a as a volunteer, as a hobby. I get it. And it's funny to listen to some of the guys who were doing other things and how hard it was. And now they're back doing podcasts. Anyways, this is a long rant that you probably are all shaking your head at. So I realized how difficult it was and just how obsessed I am about the Raptors. That said, last week I didn't get to record probably twice um, when I usually would because either I was working or we were hosting family on the weekend. And so, you know, you had a Bucks game uh, be played. You had a Celtics game, which I always want to comment on for one reason or another. And then you had a Pistons game, which I'll get to in a second. And I didn't get to do my regular kind of responses on, on those games. Um, and it's just different. And, and it's a good reminder of how many podcasters, you know, 80 to 95% of podcasters within the NBA basketball world are professionals. And they're either working part-time or full-time in that field. Um, and it's, you know, it, it's a good reminder. We had full-time paid professional NBA basketball players playing games. The Toronto Raptors, as I said, were playing three times uh, in the last four nights, five nights, five nights, Wednesday through Sunday, three games against the Bucks, Celtics, and Pistons. I won't comment too much on the Bucks game. This was a, a, a really crappy one from us. We did not have OG Ananobi or Gary Trent Jr., uh, which was too bad. Uh, still without Christian Coloco. The Bucks were without Giannis Antetokounmpo. And boy, oh boy, Damon Lillard came to play as the high-level all-star, all-NBA offensive player that he is. If he has, you know, 25 more games like this, he probably will be on that all-NBA list when you score 37 points. When you get to the line 16 times, when you have 14 assists to go with your 37 points, uh, that is all NBA stuff. Um, the Bucks are looking much better than they did in the first 10 games of the season. And we got obliterated in this one. And, you know, I've heard a lot of post games talk about how Giannis wasn't there and we should have taken advantage of it. Gary and OG are kind of the, you know, um, kind, kind of the, the equal amount of talent and importance to Giannis for us, relatively speaking. Um, probably uh, Giannis is more important, um, you know, by, by a bit. But it's pretty close when, just relatively speaking, the importance of Gary Trent and OG to Giannis. Now, I would not trade in a million years Gary and OG for Giannis. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying relative importance. And so to have Giannis out of the game, okay, great. 
it, there's an advantage for us now, but now we're losing our best defensive player, our third overall best player, and we're losing Gary Trent Jr., our best scorer off the bench, which we already have struggles with when he's in the lineup. So this was a really tough game. Combine that with the fact that we were miserable shooting and Pascal Siakam was somehow just not involved with the offense. And I, I get why, you know, with the size that they have and, and playing a more conservative defense than the first time we saw them. Uh, but yeah, I thought he wasn't as aggressive as he should have been. And the Raptors are still working out how he fits into the offense, knowing that Scotty's going to be so uh, dominant and so featured within the offense, especially in initiating it. Um, and as Samson folks said yesterday, motivating it. Um, so, you know, these things, these growing pains are being worked out and there's tweaks from game to game, depending on lineups. And this one, you know, the bucks do not present a favorable lineup to Pascal, but at the same time, he's learning something new, right? Just as he did in that Tampa tank year, he was working out the kinks and he came and was an all NBA guy the next season, right? And then last year, he had more adjustments as Fred was healthy, starting to get healthy, starting to play at an all-star level. You get Jakob Pertle. You want that pick-and-roll game. Uh, but now what happens to Pascal? And Nick Nurse didn't account for that as much, or they didn't have as much time to do that as they're making a playoff push. And you saw how he was impacted, right? And so there's probably going to be another 20 to 25 games before we get into a good rhythm. And this game, this Bucks game, was one of those games, and we've seen others, where Pascal can get lost in the mix, straight up. And that sucks, but when Dame's playing at an all-NBA level and the Raptors shooting was brutal and you're not getting help and OG and Gary are the lineup, uh, yeah, you expect that we're going to lose and lose badly. We did get this game from 90 to 60, a 30-point difference we got it interesting to about 12 um you know with about six seven minutes to go in the game but by then it was really too late and we had already expended a lot of energy and we lose to a veteran bucks team who are now a team who's working out their kinks because they got a new coach and a, and a new star player you know those things, these things happen. You play a little under expectation and now they're starting to build momentum, right? And that's probably going to happen for the Raptors too. Um, so the Bucks game, not one that we'd like to repeat. Um, and certainly we want to be healthy for all our games. And, and we didn't have Gary and OG for that one. Friday night, we did get Gary back. We did not get... OG Ananobi back, which was too bad. Apparently, he was lifting furniture in his apartment and his new condo or house, whatever he lives in, and he cut his finger when he was moving furniture quite badly, like to the point of stitches. And so he was out, just on his shooting hand. He had to let that heal. Um, you know, takes about a week. And he did it when he got back from the first Boston game. And so, uh, you know, we were going to see him in probably about a week, which was Sunday to Sunday. Um, but he was not available for the second Celtics game at home, our first in-season tournament game. 
really important. You beat Boston, you have a real chance to be the number one team in the group. So that's important. We did not have Otto Porter Jr. back. And this would have been one of those games that you would have liked to have Otto Porter Jr. back. A vet who's playing solid. The numbers don't, you know, you know, spring off the the laptop when you're looking at the numbers of what he's done, you know, as an individual statistical thing. But he's impacting the game and there's a calm and the, and there's a, a skill set that is really important to our squad. And so it was uh, too bad that he was not part of that game. And uh, he's played in, I think eight games this season at a 13. And like last year, when he was involved, he was, he was a positive impact when he's not there. We miss him on a number of fronts, certainly you know, Precious and Boucher are not going to give you too much around the three-point arc. And, uh, you know, there's some turnover-happy stuff that occurs for those guys uh, as well at times. A little out of control or just not like – they're just not playmakers, right? They bring a lot of energy. They can bring you – pick and pop type game. But what they do best is give you length around the perimeter, uh, give you some rim protection against smaller guys and give you tons of offensive rebounding and and pretty good cuts to the hole. Uh, They can also show up nice in the dunker spot, you know, around that kind of uh, restricted area, just kind of dive into that restricted area, give you a quick bucket, uh, on a cut. Um, and so that's great. But Porter Jr., Otto Porter Jr. does some other things, right? He does have a good passing game. He does give you some really solid um, rebounding from that wing position. He can extend the floor and give you better spacing, which is really important with Pascal and Scotty. Um, so he not being there hurt us, especially against the Celtics team, especially as the game got close down the stretch. The Raptors came out solid, 32-26 in the first quarter. They were shooting the ball pretty well. You felt pretty confident, and then Pascal got into some foul trouble. That messed up some lineups, and again, you're already without OG and Otto, and so who comes in? What has to happen for that bench to be successful? Uh, Jalen McDaniels continues to struggle for the Raps, he, he did give you a couple lay-ins in this Celtics game to help get you back in the game in the second half, but he was really not giving you much in the first half. Uh, Boucher and Precious chipped in a bit, but they also went two for four combined from the free throw line. Uh, Grady Dick was 0 for 5, 0 for 4 from downtown. That's not going to help you. Um, is Malachi Flynn going to be the answer? Uh, he did have five assists with only one turnover. That's fantastic in 19 minutes. So, But he wasn't overly effective in that second quarter. Um, Celtics really turned it up. The shooting was coming along and they blew us out 39 to 17 in the second quarter. We're down 16 at the break. So what's our response going to be, right? What's our response going to be? Well, Pascal went to work. Scotty was more aggressive. Uh, We got, you know, our starters more involved. Schroeder, did his best to help ignite the team. He was five for 11 from downtown, um, six assists, 
two turnovers, not bad from him. Um, and, and Gary hits a couple nice buckets in that third quarter. And we kind of turn the game back in our favor with a 32-19 third quarter. Tatum really looked like he was struggling. Uh, Porzingis wasn't giving you the same shooting from behind the arc. He was 0 of 3. Tatum was 1 for 11. So they, their scoring really struggled. They only went 8 deep in this game. Uh, a little bit surprising. Uh, no Luke Cor- uh, Cornett, who is solid against Philly in Philly a couple nights before. Um, so that was a bit of a surprise, but seeing them only go eight deep, but they did get 27 points off the bench from only their three bench players, uh, where the Raptors had 20 points from five guys and unfortunately couldn't win those minutes. Boston did, you know, were able to get the lead, uh, from three where it started in the, in the third, uh, quarter to um, getting it up to seven. So now it's a three-possession game, but the Raptors hung in there, battled back. And again, Pascal was was being more aggressive, looking for his shot. Scotty was now really, you know, playmaking and and seeking advantages and mismatches. And again, when Schroeder is on, now we're we're a bit of an offensive beast, uh, even if OG's off the floor. Uh, Gary helping when he came into the lineup uh, in the fourth makes a difference too. Uh, but you have to be almost perfect in your execution against such a great defense and, and such a good fourth quarter team uh, during the regular season, right? And uh, the Raptors were able to get the lead halfway through the second uh, sorry, the fourth quarter, um, Jalen Brown uh, got him up four, got the Celtics up four with 540 to go. But the Raptors hung in there, played tough. Uh, Jakob went to the line. Precious went to the line. Unfortunately, they split a pair four minutes to go. Game's tied. Schroeder makes a tough uh, jumper to get up two, 348. Jalen was responding, uh, you know, the next possession. Then Siakam comes down and gets a nice bucket as well, a mid-range uh, over Tatum to get up 101 to 99 with three minutes to go. And it, and it was interesting to see us play in the half court in a tight game, even though OG wasn't there. Gary was was solid enough and Schroeder was having a good game. It was interesting now to see the difference between what the Raptors did against the Celtics versus the Bucks just two nights before. Yes, you had Gary where you didn't have him against the Bucks. Yes, we were shooting the ball better as a starting group. But Pascal was starting to be more assertive. Scotty recognized that. And they were hunting matchups, which you could have done against the Bucs, to be quite honest. Like, Chris Middleton cannot guard Pascal Siakam. Um, that is a bad matchup. Um, that, that is like high school player trying to go up against a grown-ass NBA man. Um, you know, you, you had Dane. You could have put in the weight room against 
Siakam and Siakam's going to eat in that situation, right? Um, so they didn't do that as well in that Bucks game. Of course, they were trying to catch up because they got obliterated in the first three quarters. But in a tight game against a team who's very good defensively, you can still find matchups that favor Siakam. Don't get him in a situation where he's against Al Horford in the post. Don't get him on the wing against Porzingis, who's long and who can track uh, bigger wings like Siakam. Put him against these smaller guys like Brown. Even Holiday, who's really strong and really smart defensively, he still is down four inches to Pascal. And Pascal's quick, nimble. It's got that elusive spin move in the post. And that's what they did. And they were feeding Pascal, and Pascal was growing in confidence as the game went on. The struggles for uh, the Celtics' offense continued. Uh, you know, Drew Holiday missed a bucket. Derek White missed a bucket. Porzingis tied the game with 130 because uh, the Raptors went to Schroeder once and Siakam once, who just missed a great jumper from about 10 feet out against Jalen Brown, which would have been huge. Um, Porzingis, after tying the game, Schroeder gets to the cup and looks like he's going to get the lead, just misses the land, but there's Jakob Pertl to put it back. So 119 to go, you're up two points. You've done a great job defending. Jason Tatum's having an off night. You've done a great job setting up your offense, looking for those mismatches, can you get that extra uh, something to get you the win? Well, unfortunately, after Porzingis scores to tie the game at 103, Schroeder comes up short on a, on a floating miss. They don't have Scotty in the game. Uh, they probably could have called a timeout with a minute to go after Porzingis scores so you can get Scotty in the game. He was on the sidelines waiting to check in for almost two minutes, I believe, um, until he finally got in. Actually, it was almost three minutes, which was crazy. Usually NBA games have so many fouls in this. That wasn't the case. Both teams were shooting. Both teams were, um, you know, letting the flow of the game happen. Boston was happy with who they had in, and there was no fouls, no timeouts, after the four-minute mark, and and there was Scotty at 3.30 trying to check in, and he didn't get into the ball game until uh, 26 seconds to go, and that sucks. They, again, 103-103, a minute to go. That's where you should have subbed Scotty. Um, Dennis Schroeder, as I said, misses the floater. Tatum the rebound. They're able to move the ball around well, and this is where the depth of scoring and spacing for Boston is crazy. Porzingis, Horford, Tatum, Brown, and White can all hit threes over 35%, and a lot of them can get it to 40%. We've seen what Al Horford can do in tight games. And who was it but Derek White, who drilled a couple big ones late fourth against Philly. He hits it against Toronto to get up 106-103 with 27 seconds to go. Uh, the Raptors are unable to get a bucket 
um, down the stretch of this ball game. They tried uh, through Scotty Barnes, a really neat inbounding play with 11 seconds to go. Probably not the guy you want to be shooting the three ball uh, from the corner with 11 seconds to go down three. He's, he's not your best three-point shooter. Maybe Gary uh, gets in there, but you don't have OG. And so they're really focused on Gary. And Scotty has a decent look, but again, not the best situation uh, for the Raptors to get. If he hits it, boy, oh boy, the play was really well done. The out-of-bounds play by Darko. I don't think we had anything imaginative or creative in the last two or three years from our out-of-bounds plays. Probably the last two years because Kyle Lowry probably could make things up on the fly. Um, But this was the most creative inbounds play that I've seen the Raptors, especially in a close game situation. Scotty has a good look, misses, and then Boston wins this game. 108-105 after the team's trade free throws. Listen, after that Bucks game, after the Celtics game in Boston where we got hammered, um, I was a little bit worried about our, our togetherness, our energy, our focus. I realized sickness went through the team on the travels. I realized we had guys in and out of the lineup. Uh, for de- various reasons. Uh, I know it's a young team. I know there's lots of things going on, but I was worried because, you know, forget about the throwaway game against Chicago. Forget about um, just laying an egg against Portland. When you get blown out twice against really good teams, like it's not even competitive, and now you're playing one of those teams again in Boston for a playing game, if you don't show up, it's now it's now a trend. And trends are hard to turn. They really are hard to turn. And there's certain things with the Raptors with lack of skill set that are going to be really hard to compensate for unless they make a big deal, um, unless they're able to add guys who, who are specialists almost uh, in skill sets the Raptors need, shooting obviously being one of those, Probably another veteran point guard who's an outstanding playmaker um, is another one. And we'll we'll get to that in in the next podcast. But I was really worried. We came out really strong in that first quarter, something that, you know, we've we've lacked in many games this season. And then we get just – hammered, dominated by Boston in that second quarter. And I thought, here we are again. You know, even in the wins against Washington, we got down 20 points to Washington and San Antonio. And you're like, okay, maybe the Dallas game was more true to who we are. Uh, Sorry, was more of a fluke. And these are the games, sorry, that are more true to who we are. And then you see us come out in the third and we figured we'd unlock something with Pascal and Scotty on the floor at the same time. Dennis plays well. Jakob just starts to gain advantages for himself. And here we are back in a game, going toe-to-toe, back and forth against the Celtics, who have been, you know, arguably the best team in the league this year. And without OG, 
we make it right to the end before we see us fade away and are just not as sharp as we should be offensively and we lose this game. And yeah, there's, you know, excuses on the Celtics side. There is, you know, the court wasn't as as nice as they'd like it to. Well, Jalen Brown, you you played uh, with everybody on this court. It wasn't like you were the only guy. You didn't play in slippers. So yeah, the court sucked and maybe that slowed you down a bit, but it slowed everybody down. Uh, Precious just came back from a groin injury. So he said he was extra cautious, especially knowing that the, the court, these in-season tournament courts are seemingly a little more slippery. Should the NBA do something about that? Yeah, for sure. And they'll probably correct it for next year. But everyone was dealing with the same thing and maybe you just hit a slippery spot. But there's excuses, right? Tatum had a horrible game. We can focus on how bad Tatum was. But the Raptors did a bunch of good things. Six assists, one turnover, Scotty. Excellent, even though he shot the ball poorly. Pascal Siakam, another game where his field goal percentage is high, uh, well over 50%. Yes, he missed another three, which was his, I believe, 17th consecutive missed three. But he was 11 to 16 from the field. That's really good stuff. That's like 65% from the field. Jakob Pertle, five for five, eight rebounds and four assists. Um, you know, Dennis Schroeder, five for 11 from downtown. That's a good sign. Gary Trent Jr. chips in, three for five from downtown, three for four from the line, a plus 14 on the game. The starting lineup was all in the plus except for Scotty because that bench group was not great. And they had to play McDaniels and they didn't have Otto Porter. And Gary Trent was in the starting lineup instead of the bench because OG was injured, right? So Scotty had a lot that he was carrying. And we still were in this game. We were figuring out some you know, new things and locking some def- uh, offensive sets. So this was a really positive game. A really positive game. You still wonder... If there's a trend, if this team's just not good enough to be in the playoff hunt, that hunt for the sixth seed or higher, are they as good as the Knicks? Are they as good as the Cavs? Those are all big questions. But the Raptors really hung in there against a good team, really defended well, really made the Celtics uncomfortable through Siakam um, with his size hunting matchups and then shooter speed. Because as good as... Boston is defensively, they don't have a guy as quick as Dennis Schroeder, right? What makes Drew Holiday and Derek White so good is they can cover bigger guys, not necessarily smaller guys, even though they did a good job against Maxie um, on uh, the game against Philly on the Wednesday. Um, Dennis Schroeder presents some, some difficulties with his speed. And he was good, right? When he's hitting shots, from downtown five for 11, that also makes a big difference. So you could see some real positives from this game. And and even though we lost, there's some good things to take. Okay. What are we going to do against Detroit? And this is the last thing I'll talk about this game. And I'm going to uh, record another episode, kind of big picture, look on the Raptors, 13 games in the season and the league, some league musings as well, looking at teams, looking at players in the league. 
But for now, I'll hold those bigger picture thoughts till the next episode. I'll probably release it uh, tomorrow uh, on Tuesday. It could come out Wednesday. We'll see. But that will come uh, because Zai and I uh, used to do like every month we do a league musings, take a step back, especially in that Tampa tank year and and say, okay, what else is going on? Who's doing really well? Who can we uh, think about trading for? Um, who are some teams that are really exciting to watch? Again, we always have that league pass team. And, and who are looking like some real contenders? Are, are they living up to the hype? So I'm going to do that, uh, just like Zion and I have done, Courtney and I have done at times um, in the last three seasons. I'm going to do that for this one. Um, and then hopefully also have a halftime uh, episode with Tom. I've been itching for him to get back after we did that halftime um, pod on uh, game one against the Timberwolves. And we'll, anyways, we'll get to all that. But the Celt, uh, sorry, the Pistons, we've got to talk about the Pistons. So here's a team that's really interesting. Dwayne Casey, Nick Nurse, we know the feud that happened there. Pistons, uh, I think, won 10 or 11 straight games against Nick Nurse and, and uh, the Raptors. Uh, as there was an ongoing joke, this was Dwayne Casey's championship. He always got up for the games, especially the 2019 season when we won the chip, 2020 season uh, when we were excellent before the bubble happened, before the pandemic happened. Um, and then uh, we got to that next season, Tampa Tank year, and, and there was all kinds of concerns. Um, but we got swept three straight seasons. And what's interesting about that is, uh, yes, it was during Casey's championship, but it's the first time in NBA history that not only did a team sweep another team in the same conference three straight years, but the Raptors, the year before the 2018 season when DeMar was there, we swept the Pistons three games in a row, interestingly enough, when Dwayne Casey was our coach. And then the last two years, Nick Nurse was able to find some revenge and, and get Casey back. We swept the last year, seven straight wins coming into this game. Nick Nurse, not part of this team anymore. Uh, Dwayne Casey now in the front office. Monte Williams is coaching. And there was just good vibes about this. Really good vibes about this because Darko and Monte Williams were uh, assistant coaches. I think Monte was the lead assistant coach in Oklahoma City the 2014 season. And um, Darko was a, a backbench assistant coach, part of the bigger assistant coaching group and more like the analyst analyst side, um, number side, video side of, of the coaching staff back then. And Darko said he really looked up to Monte, that he was a, a mentor. Uh, Monte was a mentor to Darko. He also watched Monte Williams play basketball when he was a younger guy. Um, I think there's, you know, 10, 12 year difference between the two of them. Um, so it was, it was great to see those guys embrace and and have good spirits after all the negativity and awkwardness between Nurse and Casey. Now, speaking of awkward, uh, the Detroit Pistons were in a really awkward position. Their two best big defenders, I would say, Duran and Livers or Livers. I think it's Livers. Uh, They were not here today. Uh, Veterans, Boyan Bogdanovich and uh, Monte Morris uh, were not in this game. And that is not the first time they haven't played 
which is really interesting, knowing the rules around uh, all this load management policy uh, that the NBA has put in. Don't see any fines coming the Detroit Pistons way. Um, but they came in this game with a lot of gaps, a lot of youthfulness. We know about Cade Cunningham, third-year player, uh, played AAU ball with Scotty Barnes. Uh, we know about Jaden Ivey, who is a lottery pick last year for the Pistons. So this was a, a, a lively bouncy, youthful bunch that Monty Williams is coaching. Talk about a big change. You go from a contending team in the West, a team that went to the finals, and now you come in in this game 2-11. This team will not be competitive for probably another two years, even though they got a lot of great young guys. Um, You know, Asur uh, Thompson is on this team, super athletic. He's going to be, I think, a real stud in this league. Um, you also have a guy like Beef Stew who can who can play both ends of the floor. Uh, Bagley and Wiseman coming off your bench. So this this was a, a team that was going to be awkward on both sides of the ball because of their youthfulness, their immaturity, but also because they're missing their best defenders in the paint. Raptors got to the paint all night long. They looked quite. Uh, um, inconsistent and discombobulated uh, through about a five-minute stretch in the first quarter. Unfortunately, that's when I turned on the game. So I thought uh, the Bryce jinx had happened. <laughs> they were up 14-5 and all of a sudden it was 18-16. But the Raptors turned it around, got some easy buckets through the Scotty and bench unit, got up 32-20. Precious looked awesome to finish that quarter. And then they came out in the second all systems go. Looked really good. Scotty uh, definitely was outshining Cade Cunningham. And although Pascal really struggled in the first half, was just two of seven, uh, the Raptors were up 24 points, 69-45 at the break. Very easy game. Easiest game of the season. Even easier than the Milwaukee Bucks because in that third quarter, there was no possibility there was no hope no light at the end of the tunnel it was a a slippery slope the whole way for Detroit and they just kept free falling Um, it was not it was a slippery court for Boston apparently for Jalen Brown on the Friday and and this we just slimed them on on this the Pistons in this game and they had no traction and so it was the most relaxing way kind of like Monday morning when you have the day off in the sunshine. Very relaxing morning for me today. Um, and that's how the game was last night. You know, real, just like a Sunday drive, you know. <laughs> Old couple after church having just gone out for chicken, um, Swiss chalet kind of meal. That, you know, in the, in the old 1980 Cadillac that's what it felt like last night, just going through the, the you know the third and fourth quarter against the Pistons. We ended up winning this game 142-113. We set a franchise record with 44 assists, um, and that was great. We needed an easy one. Uh, we have played the top three teams in the East, Boston, Milwaukee, and Philadelphia, six times, two each. Um, Milwaukee, we've played both at home. 
that was the only time we got a win against the top six. So we needed an easy game. We've played some poor teams like San Antonio, Portland, and uh, Washington and have made it really difficult on ourselves. Probably our worst game of the season overall start to finish was that Portland game. We just didn't have it. Um, and then we had to come back against San Antonio and Washington because we played so bad in the first quarter of both of those games. So this was nice just to, you know, cruise against the Pistons. Uh, literally, they didn't have a motor from the Motor City. Uh, that was stolen very early by us. And we look really good. Uh, Pascal in the third quarter, if there are any questions about, um, you know, is he trending in the wrong direction? Um, is he just not himself? After going two for seven from the field, he turned that around and went eight for eight for 11. Also hit his first three after 17 straight misses, 18 straight misses with the miss earlier in the game from downtown. He buried a three in the third quarter. That helped. He finished with a plus 23 and 23 points, seven rebounds, six assists. Seems like Pascal from the last two years. Scotty Barnes was a plus 37, nine assists, seven rebounds. Um, so that was good. And, and the bench chipped in. Gary looked good again, although his three-point shooting wasn't as solid as you'd like it to be, two of seven. He got to the line a couple times. He, he made that mid-range happen. Um, he got an and one, you know, these are the, the couple and ones. So th this was a really good bench game as well. Um, outside of, you know, the garbage minutes of McDaniels, Harper Jr., uh, Grady Dick, uh, we got 30, 44 points from Boucher, Achua, and Trent Jr. So 44 points from those three guys and 44 assists. I mean, that's a recipe for a cruise victory. And that's what we did. And that was last week's games. We've got three really big games, in my opinion. Three kind of litmus test games that we would love to win all three. Two of them are in-season tournament games. I believe, I believe they're all road games. I'll, I'll double-check this. We play Orlando, who has started the season uh, quite well. Uh, we then play on a back-to-back, -back, which sucks. I think it's our third back-to-back -back already, um, which is just bizarre to me why you play three back-to-backs in the first month of the season. Um, but that's beside the point. We've talked a lot about back-to-backs and how I hate them on the pod. Um, but yeah, we play Orlando in Orlando. Indiana in Indiana on the back-to-back, -back, as I said. And then we come back home against Chicago, which is nice. Uh, before going on the road to Cleveland and Brooklyn. And that Brooklyn game, like the Orlando and Chicago game this week, is going to be um, our in-season tournament games that will complete our group play. So here's the thing. If we can just focus on the playing games, if we just did that, I'm not saying we're going to do that and just throw away the Cleveland and Indiana games, but if we just focused, focus, 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 on these in-season tournament games. And we go 3-0 in those times, the only losses to Boston, and we can get some good wins, like a couple double-digit wins out of those three games. Uh, we put ourselves in a good place to be that uh, wild card team. Remember, there's six groups. 
um, five teams for each group, 30 teams total. Um, you want to win your group and that would put you um, automatically in the quarterfinals. But if you're not, there's two teams out of uh, the rest of the teams in the field who get to the go to the quarterfinals. And that's based on record. That's based on point differential. So if the Raptors can win the three in-season tournament games, that would be huge. But to be honest, the next five games, Orlando, Indiana, Chicago, Cleveland, Brooklyn, they're all against Eastern Conference teams. They're all against teams who are fighting for that sixth seed. Um, Some would say fighting for the five seed. Um, And if we can win all five games, I think that would set the course for our season in a really powerful way, especially after you played so well without OG, without Otto Porter Jr. against Boston, especially when Pascal now in the last seven, eight, nine games has, has really come on the Boston game, the Detroit game, uh, the game against Washington, Dallas, really, really good stuff from him. So uh, that's great. We will see. We will see. Gary's on the move up, right? Trending in the right direction. But if you could get four or five wins in the next five, that would be awesome. If you can get to three and one in the plan, that's a real positive thing. So f- fingers crossed. But that's what's next for us. And four of the next five games are on the road. So that will not be easy. Um, and then after that, we get a back-to-back, our fourth back-to-back. <laughs> just insane to me our fourth back-to-back where we play phoenix uh at home and and then there's a little break for the in-season tournament games uh for the semifinals and finals which i think is really cool actually you get an early break Uh, i hate the back-to-backs but you get an early break because the league wants to focus on those semifinals and finals games um, and our first, our last game before that little break and our first game back from the break are against New York. So again, this whole section here, we have seven out of eight games against teams who are right fighting with us for that five, six seed to make the playoffs. If we can do really well now, again, it will set the course for the rest of the season. It will indicate that we are that good and only getting better. So I'm excited. And even after that, I, you know, as I, I should be waiting for this to do this in the next episode. And maybe I will repeat this, but Atlanta, Atlanta, Charlotte, like this is a, after playing the top three teams, the East six times in the first 13 games, despite playing in the first five weeks of the season, five and a half weeks of the season, playing four backs to backs. Um, we are going to get out of that really difficult stretch and now we can do some serious damage. So this is the time. If you ever wanted to watch (laughs) the Toronto Raptors, this is the time. And if we do well, stay tuned, y'all stay tuned. All right. I'm going to hold it there. I got another recording got to do league musings, bigger picture for the raps to kind of set the stage after 13 games. I know it's early, but we're going to do it. And uh, mad love to y'all. This is my day off, so I got to take advantage uh, by doing multiple recordings. But 
Uh, hope you enjoyed the easy game, that Sunday morning uh, cruise in the sunshine against the Pistons. Hope you enjoyed how well we played against the Celtics. We got everybody healthy now. We're going to get Otto back for that Orlando game. Uh, this, this is a huge time. Hope you're cheering them on. Peace.